everybody. Welcome to Norwich Camera Company Podcast. We are here with myself, Alan, Camera Daddy, Andy, and no, this is Patrick! Welcome to three totally sober people. Uh, Going to be talking about camera gear today. Welcome back. The camera repair too. Uh, yeah. Trust me, we, I don't repair your cameras drunk. No. No, definitely not. No uh, such thing as office sodas. If you if you try to do that, um, you're, you're asking for problems, especially when you're dealing with a hundred parts. Minus five camera points. <laughs> and springs that like to go flying off. Fucking ball bearings, man. Yeah, aperture, aperture detent ball bearings. Yeah, you'll lose those. Let's see if we get anyone in. All right, not bad for a lead enclosed house. Where's Getting Jeff good video bit, bit rate. Jeff, where are you, Jeff? Probably off the. Oh, at six o'clock, he just closed up the skate shop. Mm. Like five minutes ago. He's our number one viewer. <laughs> well, today's podcast unofficially sponsored again by Glizzy's, Epicure Brewing, and who else we got? Dewclaw. Dewclaw. Dewclaw Brew. And, of course, Norwich Camera Company. So, yes, we have taken a hiatus for a couple months. Uh, life happens. We've all been working our day jobs of 40 to 80 hours a week. Um, Pat's been working his odd jobs, trying to get back into gig work. Uh, COVID season, you know, has hit us all hard, especially Pat, for being a gig worker. So, respect out to that. Mm -hmm. Got to hustle. Get that hustle going. Okay, Alan, you want to kick it off? What are we What are we talking about today? What are we going to be doing? Well, we're going to be talking about uh, buying cameras, buying broken cameras, breaking your own camera, and how are we going to fix it? <laughs> Probably some other problems we've all experienced out in the field, too. Yep. So, I guess we can start off... Um, Let's let's just talk about some of the problems we've all had with our own daily driver shooter cameras just out there in the field. Cannon squeal. Okay, so let's <laughs> back. So what is cannon squeal? Uh, what does it sound like? Um, I don't know if I have any that do it. Uh, well, if I do, they're all fixed. So yeah, <laughs> I've 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 got a couple at the house that uh, literally sound like it's. Uh, you're dragging a cat. <laughs> it's not too too Yeah. Yeah, that too. So Canon uh, Canon squeal is usually seen on AE1s and AE1 programs. Uh, that problem comes up because the grease that is all in the old mirror mechanism for uh, operating the mirror up and down, it dries out, and then there's a little clock mechanism, clockworks, uh, timing spring and stuff in there that uh, squeal, and it can cause problems because as soon as you fire the shutter and that mirror will drag and it will be slow, 
and then the mirror will actually get in your frame so you'll only expose like a partial frame and you'll see like this weird hazy or this uh, half exposed frame in there with like a gradient coming off of it um, that repair uh, there are a lot of things out there on the internet uh, I'm going to tell you do not um, follow the internet guidelines they you mean I don't want to put brake fluid no. in a syringe and then no. just squeeze it in my camera no so there's one the repair video out there on YouTube uh, I think it's a fix old cameras uh, sometimes they have some good tips but most of part most of the time it is not good advice so what they say is oh just take off this screw that's on the bayonet mount and then squeeze wd-40 in there or some other lubricant in there oh no do not do that it will eventually either work its way into the actual shutter um, so it'll get all in the shutter cloth and then it'll just destroy your camera so it'll start uh, moving grease all over the place and it'll put grease onto your shutter, which then puts it onto your film and onto your film gate and it just makes a giant mess. Uh, proper repair for an AE-1 shutter squeal is about a two to three hour job. So, I mean, really it, it's, you know, it can be 120 to $150 to do it correctly. I don't want to dissuade anybody from buying one because they are great cameras, but if you want them to last for another 20 years, you're, uh, you're gonna pay for it. Um, so. Yeah, you can get a camera for cheap. For uh, what are they selling for right now? Uh, um, let me look. About I think about hundred bucks. Yeah, so. any, anywhere from a hundred to two, depending if it's an AE1, AE1 program, A1. Let's see what the AE ones. AE ones currently. Ooh. Oh wow. Oh. All right. So untested. Oh, a tested one is one hundred twenty-five. So they're going anywhere from anywhere from a hundred dollars to two fifty. All right, so let's go on to other camera problems that we've had. <clears throat> Using an RB67 when it's <clears throat> 28 degrees outside. All right, <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? Shutter drag. Yep. Shutter drag, and uh, to the point where I exposed the frame and then thought the exposure was done, shutter was a close all the way I advanced the film it then caused the light to streak across that advanced frame what kind of cool it did look cool but uh, definitely not what I expected <laughs> so something shooting in cold temperatures um, that definitely affects cameras both electronic controlled cameras and mechanical controlled cameras so the RB is a 100% mechanical camera there is no batteries to operate that camera and the problem when you start getting into extreme cold temperatures is the old grease that is in there will harden up like concrete and then it causes everything to just act very sluggish uh, with Pat's lens, I don't think I fully service that lens. I just did a cleaning on it, um, but that lens is fairly easy to work on. It's about an hour and a half to two hour job to do a full CLA on that one. So again, 90 bucks to Which service an RB lens. Any RB, but the one he's talking about specific was a 50 F4 or 5? Yep. So it is. Yep, so that, that is common with almost any copal shutter that you have. Uh, copal shutter cleanings that I do, it's probably about a two to three hour job. Um, again, you know, you're going to be paying $100, $120 for a service from us, but it's worth it because these things will last you for another 20 years. Um, it seems that oil and lubricants are the common concern yep. because another one that I was going to have, again, for Canon, um, the candy nuts the the sticky slowdown gear oh okay so 
This is common with almost every camera uh, that has a, a slow speed uh, entrapment gear on it, So, which a lot of the mechanical cameras do. So you have your Canon A1s, AU1s, all those have slow speed entrapment gears on them. And expect, oh, the uh, Rollies, uh, the 35Ss, the little tiny uh, Rolly uh, cameras with the pop-out lens on them. Um, all of those cameras, typically have slow speed escapement problems. The Roy is really easy to fix. The Canons are pretty easy to fix. It's all covered underneath our one hour bench fee, 45 bucks. So if you start seeing like, hey, the shutters work just fine above uh, 1 30th, 1 60th, something like that. Uh, my F1 started having problems at 60 and then I let it go for too long and now it's across all film speeds yep so and that is again a problem with the lubrication remember these things were made in the 60s 70s 80s yeah. that grease has been in there for 30 to 50 years now so it, it, it gets old it breaks down and it doesn't do its job anymore and also those greases when they were using them they're they're all um, you know hydrocarbon based greases so they're all oil based greases um, today modern technologies come around a long way and we have synthetic lubricants that work a hell of a lot better so we will replace all the grease with a comparable viscosity with uh, modern synthetics and it'll last you a long time, and you won't have the temperature problems. Mm. Uh, let's see, whatever. Oh yeah, uh, temperature and batteries too. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, electronic. Um, so cold temperature drains batteries. It makes uh, voltage go bye bye. All right. So I have had that problem um, with my Bronica. It was a fresh battery, but it was just cold, like really, really cold, and the battery pretty much froze on me, and the whole camera just locked up. You had issues with your Pentax 6.7 too, didn't yep. you? Yep, Pentax 6.7 also froze up on me. Contactors would freeze up, everything, electronics just stopped working on me. That, man, that was cold out that day. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some paranormal stuff. Ooh. Ooh. Spooky. Yep. Uh, let's see, what other problems we see? Um, stuck aperture blades. Stuck aperture blades, mm. again, almost always due to oil. So aperture blades are supposed to be completely dry. So if you close down your aperture blades and you see what looks like a snail trail going across them, that's oil. You're going to have problems. Uh, it's not a problem on a manually set aperture, but if you have like an automatic camera that sets your aperture for you, you're going to have problems. And again, that requires a disassembly, cleaning. Uh, a lot of people will just say, oh, just flush it with uh, lighter fluid. Don't do that. No. That is a Band-Aid fix. Okay, what that will do is that will migrate the grease to other places inside the lens that it's not supposed to be and make the problem way worse. You won't see it right away, but give it three months and you will have a camera lens that is smattered with grease on the inside. I mean, it's cool if you want to look like that Vaseline haze <laughs> look, I guess that they did back in the 70s. Uh, I'm... I know we're going to get into CLA, but that's why the L is there. Lubricate. Yep. Lubricate. You got to clean everything out, re-lubricate, and then you make some adjustments. But uh, we'll get into that later Yeah. once we start talking about what to do with that camera that you just bought. Yeah. Off so. the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Having never seen it, touched it. 
so we try to operate one one piece we we touched on this subject uh thankful to our first podcast like six months ago about buying cameras and where we get them from and source them from that still stands you know ebay uh facebook marketplace uh craigslist if somebody some old person's still on craigslist i have to say having bought quite a few cameras off ebay it usually seems that the ones you purchase from I guess highly reviewed sellers in Japan you make out the best with. Yep. Uh, Any camera I've ever bought within the U.S. needed something. Yep. So Japan sellers are usually pretty honest. Uh, You do have to kind of read between the lines on some of their listing titles, though. Um, because plus, 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 plus. yeah, their rating system is total BS. It's uh, I, I don't understand their rating system at all. It's excellent plus 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 excellent plus three excellent plus one. It's all excellent. Yeah, <laughs> and then so, but their their descriptions are usually pretty good. Um, I've bought I've had like one lens that I bought that was like eh, but I, I kind of knew going into it that it was a gamble. Um, all right, so. Let's talk, uh, we do want to talk some realistic camera repairs. What can be done, what can't be done. So we want to say, what, what, what messages do we have come across our IG this week? Um, new ISO knob plus uh, film rewind knob. Yeah, so. That was the most recent. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there is some, there, there, just because we fixed cameras doesn't mean that we're going to be miracle workers. Yeah. Okay? That um, free camera that you got that is missing half of all of its operating pieces might not be worth it yeah you know free if it's free it's for me isn't always the good way to go with uh, precision machinery yep and some of those cameras like the AE1 specifically um, that whole left side of the camera if you're looking you know down the barrel pointing at a subject that left side of the camera it's got a it's got some questionable engineering choices that Canon made back then. Uh, they used this weird tungsten wire that went off to a pulley system uh, that operated the ISO um, uh, potentiometer, essentially. And if that whole thing breaks or derails, it's such a pain in the butt to fix. Uh, I hate fixing those cameras. I'll do it. Uh, I will do it. But you, you have to understand that that's going to be like a two-hour job for something that's seemingly inconsequential. Pony up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, also, cameras that are missing a lot of parts. Um, listen, they're, they're, turns out the parts are not being made anymore. So all parts that we have to buy to repair your camera, they're going to either come from a donor body that is also broken but has the other parts that you need or we're going to have to individually source them, which is gonna come at a premium. Or 3D print it. Yeah, or 3D print some things, which I can do. Um, not tungsten wire. Yeah, not tungsten <laughs> wire. We, I, I have 3D printed some parts for replacements, some non, you know, non-stress-induced parts. Uh, I've had to machine some parts for Hasselblad lenses on my lathe. Um, yep, just sometimes reverse engineering some things too uh, to make something work better than it was originally designed. That's always a thing because, you know, just like people modify their cars, you can modify your camera to be better, to be better than what the original designer made it to be. 
Like those 3D printed grips and thumb rests. Yep, and thumb rests that are, I don't know, from the factory, like the pen, uh, Pentax, or Pentax grips. Like the, the Pentax, they, all, they came with a left-handed grip, uh, which is really expensive and it's awkward as hell to use. And very difficult to find. And hard to find, but the entire purpose of that was for a flash to go on in the studio. It had, it, it had no purpose being a daily driver for out in the field. What's more purposeful is a right-hand grip that mm -hmm. gives you a better grip on the camera. Pentax never made that, so there are makers out there. There's one in the UK does really great work. I think it's uh, Ross Burley, um, amazing woodworker, does that. But you can also 3D print them, and we will sell those all day. I think like 30 bucks for those for a right-hand grip 3D printed Pentax 6-7 mount. And it's just plug and play. You slap it on and tighten two screws. Done. So some other realistic camera repairs that we do routinely. Uh, so talk about non-film cameras. So there are some things that we can do uh, with non-film cameras, digital cameras. So we've done full spectrum infrared conversions, um, which is a modification. Uh, we've done uh, all the sensor cleanings. We'll do sensor cleaning all day long. Doesn't matter, you drop it off. Uh, it's a $30 sensor cleaning and we return it to you next day. Yeah. Um, easy the, peasy. Yep. Uh, we've done back screen replacements on Canon EO, EOS cameras, uh, the LCD and the glass replacements. Um, if your camera is out of warranty and nine times out of ten if it's not a nikon so if it's sony or canon or see other big ones out there pentax lumix oh uh, yeah the pentax uh so those cameras um sony canon um i can usually get parts for them sony i can get parts directly from sony uh panasonic as well canon i have to call and ask around but usually i can get parts directly from canon or i can get them from an authorized dealer uh nikon good luck uh, Nikon is the worst when it comes to right to repair and giving people uh, access to manuals, giving people access to parts. They're horrible to work with. I love their cameras, but just hope they don't break uh, or hope that if they do break, they're an older model, like a D800, 750, whatever, and I can get parts for them. Hey, who makes Nikon sensors? Sony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the... We can fix them. Sony's a lot easier to work with because I can usually get access to their full exploded parts right from Sony's website. Um, oh, and all of these cameras too that we're talking about, I we have access to um, thousands and thousands of repair manuals that are direct from the factory, from the manufacturer. Uh, they've been scanned in. There's a great group on Facebook. It's called Learn Camera Repair. Um, that group, though, I tell you that is uh, not a group for you really to go in there and ask questions and about, like, oh, who do I send this to or something. They, that's a group. It's a hobbyist group, okay? They want to teach you how to fix cameras. So if you don't have the, uh, the skill set or the, I guess, uh, fortitude to crack open your camera, yeah, uh, it's not the group for you. Um, there's a lot of old salts in there too, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, I'm all about the DIY culture and everything like that, and which is why I got into back into film photography and playing with all my cameras and stuff. Um, 
I found out really quickly that it's not just a YouTube video and a uh, jeweler's uh, screwdriver set. No. And I'm on my way. Nope. Um, you really need the Fortitude. <laughs> There's some special tools, too. Yeah. So, I mean, the special tools are not hard to find. Uh, Pat, you just recently picked up some tools, right? Amazon. Yep. So there are some Amazon tools out there. There are some good ones. There are some bad ones. Uh, if you want to get into this, just send us a message. We'll send you what the recommended tools are. Uh, screwdrivers. Oh, that's that's actually an important one. Phillips head screwdrivers on 99% of these cameras are not Phillips head. Okay. They are what's called JIS, Japanese Industrial Standards. Um, they, they look like a, a cross, uh, like a Phillips head, but they are designed differently and they're, uh, they're shallower and they don't come to a point. They're more flat on the bottom. So if you put a Phillips head screwdriver in there, it will not go all the way down into the actual cross and you'll end up stripping out all these screws very quickly. Yep. And then you'll be like, Oh, I screwed up. And uh, then you send it in to me, and I get the joy of drilling them all out and uh, finding replacement screws from my endless barrel of screws. <laughs> <laughs> Screw bucket. Yeah, so random screws, if you do want to get into it, uh, buy cheap, super cheap point-and-shoot cameras and then take them apart. And now you have an infinite bucket of screws <laughs> of random links and, and thread pitch. Helicopter? Yeah, airplane, but sounds like that. It. <laughs> we got we got sounds going on outside. Um, all right, uh, next thing. Let's see what we want to get into. Well, let's say let's say I did buy a camera. Um, What's it? I wanted to buy a camera. I'm looking online and I'm seeing all of these super cool vintage. I mean, they look cool. They have all these cool photo like <laughs> cells on the front of them. You know, like, yep. looks like bubble wrap. Mm, do I have any? Oh, I don't think I have any selenium cells in here. But, oh, yep, there, Ooh, there we go. There's one. So, this is a Super 8 Keystone Electric Eye. I don't even know who made this. Uh, Keystone, I guess, probably some Sears brand. But for those watching, you can see it on the uh, screen here for us. But... Yeah, these have what's called selenium meters in them. So but they look really cool. They do. And uh, what else has selenium battery cells in or selenium cells in them that we used to see all the time? We would think it was fun as a kid to cover them up and watch them turn off and turn back on. Got me on that one. Calculators. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> Ew. Used to write 80085. <laughs> so yes yeah, selenium cells um what happens to selenium cells over time um well what is selenium yeah, it's a it's a active conductor it creates ions based on electricity and um it's also used in some let's see uh uh solar panels and things and uh over time uh selenium starts to degrade and then it no longer works, and you no longer have a voltage potential or a voltage generated on meters, uh, which is really a shame because some of these cameras, like the Roy 2.8Fs and stuff, they have them in there, and they're not going to work anymore. So if you buy one of those cameras that has a selenium cell meter in it, uh, do not expect the selenium cell to work ever again. 
uh, there are fixes to do it, but it's uh, it's a modification. It's fairly involved. Um, Almost cost prohibitive. Yep. For, exactly. for a lot of the cameras that, that, that have the selenium cells on them. But if you do want to buy one of those super cute, super cool cameras that looks all vintage and has that big giant selenium cell on the front. What do we offer? We have these cute little uh, light meters that fit on a fit in your uh, hot shoe. Yep. So we have or cold shoe. Hot shoe <laughs> light meters and they are rechargeable via USB-C. Um, this one's been on for six months now and it's still going. Hmm. So these we sell on our website, NorwichCamera.com. Uh, and I don't know what the price on them is right now. You have to pull it up. Can't remember. 60 bucks? Something like that. So we sell meter replacements. Um, the only camera that I will advise to do a selenium cell replacement on is like a Roi 2.8F. There are some mods out there that you basically take a selenium cell out of a uh, calculator and replace it. Hmm. But those cameras are, you know, you're looking at like 2,500 plus to buy, even if they don't work. They're expensive. <laughs> 60 bucks. 60 bucks. All right. So we sell the meters, drop-in meters. They're nice. Pat uses one all the time. He's gotten great exposures from them. Very nice. So, uh, all right. So we got other meters that are out there too. So meters that take a battery, those are C, uh, typically going to be CDS meters. Okay. Cadmium. What is it? Cadmium sulfide, I think. Uh, another chemical potential. It's a, it's a light cell. All right. So CDS meters. Uh, so they take a battery, but there's a big butt here. Uh, Pat, what, what you, you got experience with these? What, what battery? Do you have any cameras that take this battery? Depends on what battery you're talking about. The PX or the 625s, Mercury's, Mercury cell uh, batteries. Pen FT. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, shoot, I forgot. Yeah, the Pen FT. Okay. Alan, you got, you've got the Candy Net. Yeah, I got the QL. Um, think your A1 takes I, one as well? I have an A1. I have a couple A1s. Uh, spot meters? There are small spot meters out there. Or Spotmatics. Spotmatics, yep. Um, Yashica 124G, which is my daily driver. Uh, I love that 124G. It's great. It also takes a mercury cell battery. Uh, but guess what you can't get in America? Mercury. Mercury cell batteries, <laughs> all right, for good reason. One, for hazardous materials, and two, because you can't ship them anywhere, especially over airplanes, because mercury plus aluminum makes a mercury amalgam, and then your aluminum turns into a self-growing tree, and it will brittle fracture and tear itself apart. So you cannot fly, you cannot have mercury on an airplane, period. Do not do it. Um, the only place that you can get mercury cell batteries is in, the great place of Soviet Union, USSR, also known as currently Russia. Mother okay. Russia. <laughs> the motherland. That is the only place you can find mercury cell batteries. Uh, which brings us to our next announcement of what we are going, what we are doing uh, to fight this problem. You mean, you mean I can still use my uh, Pentax Spotmatic? Absolutely. 
Um, so if you just drop in a 1.5 volt common alkaline battery into these cameras, uh, what will end up happening is these cameras are rated for 1.33 volt. Okay, so 1.5 volt is really more like 1.62, somewhere around there. Uh, but if you drop in a 1.5 volt battery into it, even though it will fit and it will work, uh, you're going to over underexpose your shots by about a stop and a half. Um, and it's not linear either, so you're, you're, you might be okay in like daylight, but in the dark, now forget it, you're gonna be way underexposed. So there are two ways you can go about fixing, or really three. Um, the first way is to use what's called a wine cell battery. I don't know if anybody, you've, you ever used the wine cell batteries off of Amazon, they're like seven or eight bucks. Definitely bought them before. Yeah, they suck, okay? They're what's used in um, hearing aids. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the zinc cell open-air batteries. Uh, you get, like, maybe three weeks out of them before they're just completely junk. They don't work anymore. Uh, mercury cells would last for, like, two years. Yeah. Those those open-air zincs, everybody's like, yeah, just throw a rubber O-ring on it so it doesn't rattle around. Yeah, no. I mean, it's a it'll, it'll work. But you'll be replacing that battery, like, every time you go out to shoot. Yeah and prices start to stack up. Uh, the other thing that you can do is send it into us and we'll do a permanent, modif well, it's not permanent, it's semi-permanent, uh, modification to the camera where we solder in some electronic doodads into the actual meter circuitry of the camera and it permanently changes the camera. So all you have to do is drop in a 1.5 volt PX625 alpha battery, which are dirt cheap on Amazon. Um, you're gonna be paying 45, anywhere at 45 to $50 uh, to do that. And it will only be on that camera. Yeah. So if you have multiple cameras take this battery, you're gonna send us all of them and yeah. we'll modify it. Or option three, what's option three? What are we doing? Oh. Yeah getting fancy little adapters yeah so we are going to be making some adapters out there um, there are currently adapters out on market they are only sold in Japan uh, they are expensive I think last I checked they are the MR9 adapters They're not just the mechanical adapters that make a 1.5 volt battery fit those are like I don't know, three bucks and they're sold in Taiwan by the 10 yeah. pack um, and you can do that with a rubber o-ring yep these are, we are making actual step-down adapters uh, that step voltage down. All you do is, is plug in a 1.5 volt battery, a what an LR44, which is nope. standard everywhere, uh, what a lot of the modern cameras use anyways. Um, I say modern, <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> like post-77 era. Uh, but you just drop one in. 1983. <laughs> and uh, then it drops the voltage down to 1.33 volt consistent. And that option now is a battery adapter. Uh, the ones that you can buy in Japan, uh, they are extremely limited if you can get them. And with all the shipping delays and everything, I don't even know if you can get them in the United States. I haven't tried recently. I've bought a couple. They sell anywhere between 45 and $60 a pop. And plus wait for six months to hopefully get one. Um, we will start manufacturing our own conversions uh, this week. And we're gonna be selling on the website for 30 bucks plus shipping. So- Can't afford not to buy it. Yep, it's cheaper than doing a conversion. Um, it's more cost effective if you have multiple cameras. So you can just buy one and pop them in different cameras. 
Um, really pissed that my car got broken into and I got one of my cameras stolen with one of my Jap <laughs> Japanese adapters in it. So I was like, I was more mad because uh, the battery adapter was worth more than the damn camera was. <laughs> yeah. So. But if you don't want to do any of that or wait, uh, we will be having a uh, couple of Pentax Spotmatics, a couple of uh, Asahi. As As uh, Asashi. Yeah. They're Pentax. Yeah, it's yeah. Pentax America. And uh, Honeywell. I actually have a Honeywell. Also Pentaxes. Yep. So, yeah, Pentax has a weird history. I, we should do a video just on Pentax history and how it got sold in America. <laughs> because when... It is kind of interesting because when Pentax came over to America, and a lot of these camera brands actually, like Nikon or Nikon, however you want to pronounce it, and Canon. Canon wasn't as big a deal, but like Pentax was the predominant camera manufacturer, and uh, they were made by the Japanese. And there was a huge, huge distrust uh, of the American people against Japanese people when these cameras were hot. So... They brought them into the United States and sold them under different names. Honeywell, um, Sears, I think, imported them. Yeah, Sears. Uh, I believe, yeah, Sears were all Pentax. Yeah, they, you know, huge history about that. Japanese camera manufacturers just not being liked in America for a long time. So that's uh, the explosion of Polaroid. Um, Kodak. Kodak. Uh, Leica. Uh, Leica was popular. Contax was popular. Wetlander. Yep, Voigtlander. Anywhere except Japan. Yeah, which is <laughs> weird because Germany did absolutely atrocious things during World War II, but no, we're going to... Was it Chiron? Ch uh, yeah, a bunch of different variants. I don't know. Chinon, yeah. Chinon. That's what it was, yeah. uh, Chinon. I think that was a Sears brand. Sears rebranded a ton of cameras that were made by, uh, you know, Cosina and Pentax, brought them all into the United States, so... Uh, all right, um camera buyer's guide uh really if you are looking at a film camera and you don't know what you want message us seriously we will uh we we all have desk jobs for the most part but we are locked to our desk job for you know eight to ten hours a day um so we have nothing to do but uh, think in our head <laughs> about what we're going to respond with whenever we get off work <laughs> so just message us we'll respond uh pat usually works nights so he's He's uh, available during the day, and Alan and I work all hours of the day, late days sometimes. Um, I try to do eight and out, but yeah. sometimes it doesn't happen. All right. Um, startup cost. Okay. This is kind of back to Alan's thing about uh, a free, what would you say a free deal is not the best deal or something? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's free, it's for me. Is a good thing to go with, but... Uh, when it comes to precision cameras or antiques, I mean, yeah, if you want something that'll look good on a mantle or on a curio cabinet or something like that, by all means, take those free cameras. Uh, but not everything that's handed to you is going to be ready to be shot, I mean, hmm. used in any way. Um, I mean, there are cameras out there that you can't even get film for anymore and i'm like 620s 627s yep. um it's yeah hey i found this really cute bakelite brownie <laughs> 620 cameras yeah, yeah. <laughs> 127s uh 110 cameras which are just trash anyways but i mean like the, unless you're into that low world 
you still have to make that adapter, by the way. What, the 110 adapter? I know. <laughs> yep. I hate 110 film so much. We have a customer. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, make sure that you're buying something that can be used. Again, if you have any questions, do not hesitate to send us a message, email, whatever. And uh, we can try and guide you uh, into picking up something that is functional, uh, quality. Um, I know Pat and I have a have a strange love for the Russian cameras, hmm. but um, it's hit or miss on. We can definitely talk about Russian cameras for a hot minute. For oh, a we minute. totally I can. Mean, I know we're going a little bit off topic, but... We're, well, we're not. I mean, expect, uh, expectations and reality, I think, are important. Yeah. So, it's... There, there are some cool cameras out there. Definitely cool cameras. I mean, I, I, I have a soft spot for Russian cameras. My, I got a shelf full of them back mm-hmm. here. Um, the thing about the Russians, um, still to this day, uh, and, and actually Chinese now, is they love taking American designs. Or German designs. Or German designs. Anybody's but their own. Um, I'm not being xenophobic in any way. Yeah. But, they, uh, literally, technology uh, for these Russian cameras... Uh, they took from the Germans, the Hasselblads with the with their Kievs, yeah, Swedish cameras, or, yeah, Swedish with the Hasselblads, uh, some German cameras, Kia um, contacts, yeah, uh, all their contacts, Zeiss, yep, uh, all their their Zeiss lenses or their what what do they call them, uh, Jupiters, they're all Zeiss copies, yep. So, the Russians did make they made a ton of cameras, um, and what a lot of people don't know, some of the early uh, Kiev cameras like their Kiev 3, 3As, uh, Kiev 4, uh, which are direct copies of the Context 3, Context 4. Um, they, I mean, they, they, I'm talking like exact copy. Yeah. Just with zero quality control. Yeah, the materials that they used. But they, they are one for one exact copies of some of these cameras. And why they are that way is because, again, during World War II, Russia, when are they invaded parts of Germany and took over parts of the contacts camera factory, they had, they imprisoned these workers to make cameras for them for the military purposes. And they said, hey, you are going to make cameras for us. And so uh, some of the Kiev cameras back then were made by legit contacts employees. So they are a little bit better than others. Um, but you have to understand they were made under duress. <laughs> so, and then you got the Leica copies. Um, yeah. I, hmm, I, I, have, I have feelings about the Leica copies. Um, Mainly because almost all of them have some type of imagery that would uh, piss a lot of people off. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Let me see if I can pull it up. Do, but I don't know. Uh, like hammer and sickle? What are we talking about? No. Even worse than that. <laughs> uh, there are all these Zorky cameras, but I don't know if I can find some. Uh, let's see. Ooh, these are all politically correct Zorkies. Man, that's an expensive Zorkie. Who would pay $1,600 for a Leica copy? Oh, my gosh. Somebody who can't afford $4,500 for a Leica? Yeah. Um, most of them are off. So some of the feds and Zorkies, uh, here's one. Oh. Oh, yeah. boy. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that, 
So that one's an Olympic version. Yeah, I was going to say. Which is from World War II time frame. That's what is it, 1936? So, yeah, uh, yeah they, they have uh, German imagery on them uh, engraved on them, so they're not going away. Uh, <laughs> so they, but they are direct like a copies. Um, and there is a, there is a gentleman that restores them and makes them, I mean, they're absolutely beautiful cameras, uh, but you, you know, it's, it's what, what are you willing to pay for a, a good like a copy? At that point, I'd say just buy a Leica. Yeah. Because the money that you're going to have to put into it to make it a daily shooter, uh, you might as well just buy a, an M3 or an M2. Working M2. Yeah. Or like a what three three F or three C or something. Um, and with all that imagery on that, that's definitely a niche market, and those are the people I don't want to deal with. Yep, <laughs> not not uh, not our friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but no, there's a ton of good cameras out there uh, for cheap. You can get them for cheap. Just understand that you are going to have to put money into it to make it last another twenty years. And we don't want to see cameras get bought and then thrown away in the trash because they don't work. We can fix them. It's just understand that reality here is that they are going to need work for them. What was the camera you found that's new in box, old stock? Uh, Fuji GL690. Yeah. Oh, brand new in box with with the wrapper still on it. Like. Yep. So that those were made in the 60s, 70s. It's fifteen hundred bucks. <laughs> and what do you think it's going to need? So Light just seals. just off of your head, what do you think it's going to need? Uh, a full CLA. Yeah, it's probably going to need a rangefinder alignment. It's going to need everything. Yeah. Seals, rangefinder adjustment. Shutter. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have a lens with it. But, but it's, it's new in box. It's probably going to need the shutter actuator to be lubed up. Uh, probably the Paul for the film advance. Probably going to need relubed. Wouldn't be too surprised if that leatherette was starting to peel off too. Yeah, uh, leatherette's probably starting uh, to probably try out. So brand new in box camera, but it was made in 1960. Okay. But you have to take into consideration none of those springs inside of that mechanism yep. have been tensioned. So that is a, that is a, mechanically it will be good. Um, it's just going to need it'll still need a full CLA. A little spit shine. Um, which I think for that we I could probably do all that work in two hours. So 90 bucks. So for those why where I'm coming up with these numbers, our bench fee is 45 bucks uh, just to see it on our bench, um, and then it's 40 40 dollars for every hour after that. So I'd say that it's going to be a 45 dollar bench fee plus 40 bucks. So I mean 80 85 plus shipping and handling and all that stuff. You know, I'll bring it up to 90 to 100 dollars. It's cheaper than working on a car. It's cheaper than going to any camera shop that claims to fix. Yeah. Repair. And a lot of these camera shops that are out there, they will sit on your camera. I'm not saying that I haven't sat on cameras uh, because there's one that I have in my possession right now. It's a Pentax 6.7. Uh, it was Matt Day's Pentax 6.7. And uh, he sold it. Um, and then some dumb bastard, uh, it started having frame spacing issues. Not a huge deal. Six, a Pentax 6.7 has frame spacing issues. Oh, man, that is an easy fix. It is a, just a top-end CLA. Get rid of the old grease, put in new grease, change out the, uh, maybe change out the friction clutch in it. Super easy to do. Until you inject super glue into the <laughs> thing to keep it from slipping. All right. Is that what he did? Yeah. I don't know who it was. It wasn't Matt Dane. It wasn't the guy I got it from to send it off. But, but somebody, they injected super glue 
into the take-up spool side to try and lock it in place, okay? That thing's there designed to slip. It's just slipping too much. Easy to fix, super easy to fix until you totally screw it over and put a bunch of super glue into it. Because uh, that stuff migrates everywhere. Is that the one that Dan Crosley? Yep. Was so Dan got one of the two, he got one of the two six sevens that he was supposed to get. I sent him one that was fully CLA'd and fixed. Uh, but the good, the it looks beautiful, except it's fully full of, uh, full of super glue. He's been posting photos of it. Yeah, it sucks. From it, rather. Yep. The one I sent him, beautiful. Oh, all the photos. The other one that I have, that's his. Uh, not so beautiful. No. <laughs> uh, outside it's beautiful. Inside it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's the that's the type of uh, quick fixes that will that I will refuse work for. Hmm. Like if you tell me, oh, I did the WD-40 trick on AE1. Nope. nope. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna work on it. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just not because the the amount of work that it requires to fix it now tripled. So you're looking at $200 on the bench, minimum. Uh, oh, and uh, yes, we will work on cameras that a lot of people will not work on. Uh, I got one coming in from Indiana. That's a light meter that nobody knows anything about. It's actually a super pretty rare light meter. It's cost, it's like $3,000 new still. I don't, it's out of calibration. I have a calibration source. I'll calibrate it. Uh, all right, CLA breakdown. We talked about light seals. Almost every new camera that you buy is going to need light seals. Um, Pat, you've done light seals yourself? I have. Yep. How hard is it? It's easy. Once you get over the fact that you're like, oh, my God, I'm tearing out the guts of a camera that I just got and I know nothing about. But um, it's, it's... Take your time. Take your time. It's kind of just like drawn within the lines. Yep. Yeah, you have to be committed. Um, something that I was not prepared for was a uh, RB67. There's a lot of light. All right, so the, uh, the, yeah. old, <laughs> the original RB, the professional, not the Pro SD, and not yep. the, R the RC67s don't have white seals. They have white traps, but the RB67 professional. Yes. A ton of white seals. I bought a kit. I, ha I was sitting there with the little uh, chopsticks and uh, barbecue skewers and all that. Yeah. And I just went, what am I doing? The chopsticks and barbecue sears, by the way, are used to, like, scrape off the old white seals. So yeah, well, I, don't I, know. I know that, but it, it, it was just, I'm, I'm sorry, other people may not. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's literally just a chopstick cut at an angle, so it's like a little, It's it's got a little scraper blade on it. And, sure, I'm the backs were easy, but getting into the wait now what i gotta apply pressure on uh it's not a well yeah the mirror and the and the all it, there's a million light seals in it that just went beyond what i'm used to for like a canon canon light seals i can do in in five minutes yep. just scrape them out put the new foam in peel off the back put the new foam in the rb was a little bit more daunting for me, which is why I, uh, <laughs> I brought it to Andy. <laughs> One of the light seals that often gets overlooked too um, is is the the mirror damper. Mm -hmm. uh, so the mirror damper light seal, 
Uh, some cameras, they will have a viewfinder light seal on them. That one's not as critical to replace. Uh, it can be, though. If you, uh, believe it or not, there, there are actually some cameras that have little viewfinder covers. People are like, why Why would it have a viewfinder cover? I think almost my, my Nikon F100 up here. Most cameras these days have those. Yep. Yeah. And there's a reason for it. Uh, oh, the F100 actually does not. I thought it did. Might have been attached um, to the strap. The 700 definitely, yeah. So, so most straps, even the, the new cameras, they have like a little clip-on thing that goes on your strap, and then you can clip them on. It's it's a blank screen over your viewfinder. Like, why the hell would I need that? For mirrorless cameras, it's not a thing. But for mirrored SLRs, uh, if you have a strong backlight, um, like oh, sun behind you, and when you press that shutter button, the light will actually go in through the viewfinder, bounce off the mirror, and then hit your film or sensor plane first. Yep. And it will cause what looks like a light leak, and people will drive themselves nuts <laughs> trying to find this light leak. Like, oh, it's only on certain frames. Oh. I don't understand. I'm like, it's from your viewfinder, man. My AE prism for the Bronica has a little flip up. Yep. Yeah, they will. It's on the side, I think. Right? Yep. Yeah. And that's also the same for most people who don't know if your camera, your film camera has a mirror lockup function. It's essentially acting as the same. It is, but only if you replace the mirror damper seals on yeah. it. So, Back to what we were talking about. Yeah, mirror damper seals, uh, those can, you have to be careful because the mirror is a front silvered mirror. Mm -hmm. uh, do not put any um, flathead screwdrivers. Yeah. To scrape it off. Uh, don't well that, and also don't put any alcohol in that area because if uh, somebody's front silver mirrors, if they don't have a protective coating on it, your front silvered mirror is no longer a mirror and it's just a clear piece of glass. Yeah. So for unless you're into that, <laughs> guessing your exposure, you're guessing <laughs> yeah. Uh, for anything with mirrors, so if you're cleaning mirrors, uh, do not use any products that have alcohol in them or any type of solvent. Um, I prefer just to use um, uh, DI water. That's it, just water. It'll clean the mirror just fine. Distilled water for the uh, yep. uninitiated. Which is, I would almost <laughs> willing to bet is what happened with the viewfinder. The eye-level viewfinder for my uh, Mamiya 645. No, that was different. That was... Yep, so that's called desilvering. Ah. So this is a desilvering. Okay, that's another... That, that's actually a good question. So brings up a really good topic. Um, something that we cannot fix. I mean, we can fix it. Uh, it's going to cost a lot of money <laughs> and usually not worth it. I, I thought about just getting like a whole collection of these uh, prisms from Pentax K1000s um, and just getting them and holding them into a box and then sending them all off to get silvered. But Pentax K1000s is like the number one cause of problem. These ones, uh, the it, I don't know what it is about that camera, the 645, the, uh, what, which one is it? It's, uh, it's the M645. Yeah, the M645, the M645 1000s. Um, yeah, the J's, uh, all of those cameras, that's a Mamiya, right? Yep. So all of those cameras, if you have a metered prism on them or just an eye-level uh, viewfinder prism, uh, the foam that's in them or just uh, whatever they, yeah, it's, it's actually all the foam. It's from the foam that's in them. It degrades and off-gasses, and over time, it actually strips the silver off of the prism. Mold and fungus will do that too. Yep, mold and fungus will do it. With the Pentax K1000s, it was always due to the foam for the most mm. part, but there is a lot. Mold will do it. It will etch the silver off of the prism. And yeah, it's not going to affect your image. It's just annoying. His was really bad on his K6, on a 645. It was unusable bad. Um, yeah, I, 
I have an I have an extra fifteen pounds to add to my RB six seven yeah. <laughs> with my uh, Prism viewfinder, which is starting to uh, well has been for a long time. You have to be careful with it. The uh, the only way to fix that, okay, so back then, um, the, some a lot of the times they were chemically uh, deposited onto the prisms, which is why they're failing now, uh, and it was real silver. Uh, it wasn't until about the 70s, uh, late 80s time frame that they started doing um, uh, deposition, basically, so electroplating on glass, you want mm. to think of it like that, but it is vacuum deposition, and it's aluminum. So they illuminize them, and for those who are into building telescopes or who are huge into astrophotography and telescope making and telescope stuff, you will know this process because it's how they do all their telescope mirrors. Their primary mirrors and their secondary mirrors are done with a, uh, a vapor deposition process. There's a couple companies on the East Coast. Uh, there's one in New Jersey and there's one down in Florida. Uh, there's one out in the Midwest. They will do it. They will illuminize any piece of glass you send them. Uh, they they have a shop minimum usually and the shop minimum is usually like 85 bucks so if i sent them like a whole handful of pentax k1000s that i've stripped all the silver off of uh they'll definitely they'll, they'll you know illuminize them and it'll be a new mirror and it'll be stronger than ever but you gotta understand that it's gonna cost you probably 120 dollars per prism yeah and uh i mean it, it can be done so if you have some crazy sentimental value to it, it can be done. But front, uh, front silver mirrors for like TLRs, um, 35 millimeter cameras, we can replace those. Those are super easy to replace. So I just buy those in bulk and then cut them down to size. Um, so we've covered bodies pretty, pretty solidly. Yep. Viewfinders, everything. Um, the beautiful part uh, with with almost every camera now is uh, interchangeable lenses. Yeah. So what can go wrong with all of these old lenses that we want so badly? Hey, what lens you got right now that's a total trash fire, dumpster fire? Well, I got two. <laughs> um, I've got a Canon 50 F1.2 LTM, which is like a thread mount for everyone who does not know. Also known as M39. Yep. Um, it's got a significant amount of hazing due to the deteriorating coating on one of the elements. It's a known problem with that one specifically. It's the mid element in the rear. And then I have an RB67 uh, 180mm lens with a stuck aperture and shutter speed dial. <laughs> All right, so those ones have internal shutters on them. They got leaf shutters or copal shutters in them. Uh, fungus is the number one problem with lenses usually. Oh, our, our lens oil killer. Yeah. So not all fungus will destroy your lens. Um, and not all fungus will even be visible in a photo. So a lot of people, they, they, they freak out about, you know, fungus. It's not, it's something you need to watch. It's kind of like having prostate cancer these days. It's a, <laughs> it's a monitor situation. Okay. Monitor it to see how bad it gets. If it gets worse, then yeah, we need to, we can clean it. Uh, most of the time, I'd say like 80% of the time we can fully recover from the fungus situation to where it has no evidence of fungus at all anymore. 
You just have to be careful if it's on a coated surface. Yep. So coated, like rear elements are almost always going to be coated, and the front elements. Some of the mid elements will not be coated. Um, there is fungus that will permanently etch even an uncoated surface. Like I have, uh, ah, there it is, my Holy Grail lens. The Kodak Aero Ektar 178 7-inch 2.5. It actually has permanently coated or etched um, elements in it from fungus. You can barely see it. Uh, it's there. I know it's there because I worked on this lens um, to clean it and bring it back to life. But it will not affect your images. Uh, no, this one won't. Okay, yeah, that yeah. one, that one won't. I have. It has so lens damage. It has to be really, really bad for you to see it. It has to be pretty damn bad. I had uh, my Canon FD one uh, 17 millimeter aspherical 1.8. It's a gorgeous lens. How or no, it's an f4, I think. Anyways, the uh, because it's such a large front element, there was a uh, filter. Oh, that trapped it in. That trapped it in because they yep. put a filter on to um, protect the actual front element, make sure that the lens wasn't, you know, would never get scratched. And in doing so, um, some butt nuggets just showed up. Large, large Alaskan Malamutes. Get. We might have to take a pause for a second. Hold on a sec, guys. Heather, get them out of here. Go. We're gonna shut the door. We're being turds. <laughs> yeah, so lens fungus can kill a lens. Uh, it takes a lot to do it, but the the number the big killer though so th there's a myth out there that oh lens fungus don't sew your lenses with lens fungus with other lenses it'll it'll multiply to your other lenses that's total horseshit okay i'm gonna tell you now that does not happen uh those spores are interior to the lens they're not going anywhere they only affect that lens now if you store lenses into a dark damp condition uh, all of them, then yes, they will all probably have fungus on them. Uh, lens fungus comes from organics, from people working inside of them. So like your fingerprints that touch things mm. and stuff when when techs work on them or from when they were manufactured, that's when they start to grow. Uh, or if you're in like Guam. <laughs> or, <laughs> um, Unless you're in Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, the you, you have to, but th there is a difference between lens fungus and mold yeah okay so mold uh mold mold killed the uh i mean fungus is a mold but there you know you can see like puffy stuff that's like what is it, like cotton i mean yeah you, know, you guys know what mold looks like so if it's on the outside of the camera uh yeah that that will spread that'll spread and it'll eat sporic yes and it'll eat the coating it's acidic um, i have i have noticeable uh spots that almost look like uh lens flare <laughs> yeah but it's not it's it's just where the light is inconsistent when you stop the uh that lens all the way down to f16 or 22 yeah, 16 or, or 22 you yeah. can actually see you will yeah wide open though not a problem 
Nope, which is great because that lens, when you stop it down, or, I mean, shoot it wide open, minimum focal length of, like, three inches, it's great. I think I've got a lens around here somewhere that has a chunk of glass missing out of it. Uh, it's cracked. Uh, I shoot with it still all the time. It, you can't even tell. YOLO. YOLO lens once. So while he's wait, you know, getting ready for show and tell, uh, we should really talk about. Uh, oh yeah, it is that one. What can be repaired and how we can recover. <laughs> so recovered from that. This is actually a super rare lens. Um, I'm pissed that I I, I damaged this one uh, because I try to hammer on a rear element into it basically uh, for a modification I was doing and I, I chipped the lens. It's a it's a Buell 15.5 inch f 4.1. It's actually a really rare projector lens. Um, and I chipped the edge, but guess what? It doesn't matter because it will never show in an image ever because it's right on the edge. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's things that you'll never see. All right. So what were, what were you asking now? So if we come across a lens that's got fungus or a multitude of problems that could happen with a lens, what can we do about it? When you say we, do you mean us or so, we as in the people? So Either we, or. All right. So there is a thing. So I, so we, right now, we're kind of at a single point failure for a camera repair. Okay. So it is me. Uh, but the, I, we are, we as a team, we're going to start working together on our own gear. Um, and we're going to be uh, documenting that and making some notes on it, probably making some videos on it about our uh, Uncle Bumblefuck uh, <laughs> as we go through some camera repair. So I'll be directing and telling these guys how to do some camera repair. Yeah, you can watch me get through my F1s. Uh, weird escape problems. Yeah. Yep. So cameras, a lot of times you don't need a manual for them to repair them. Once you understand the mechanics of any camera, they are all the same. And that goes for lenses too. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't have a repair manual for this lens. Um, old lenses with no electronics, not an issue. They're all the same. They're all held together the same way. Um, they use a lot of common assembly methods. Uh, there's nothing special about them, really isn't. Uh, some of these newer lenses that we get into, we, we do, I, I do a lot of Canon lenses and some Nikon lens repairs. Um, the, these lenses, you know, I'll, I'll do work on modern lenses as long as they're not in warranty because I'll tell you to send it. If it's in warranty, I'm not touching it, sorry. I'll tell you to send it off to the manufacturer. Even though me opening it does not void the warranty, but if I damage it while it's open, then it does void the warranty. All right, so that's a right to repair, and that's how warranties work. Um, the uh, There are some lenses out there that I can't do anything about, really, like some of the new Sigmas and the new Tamarons. Uh, the I can't do anything about it because once you open them, now you have to do a calibration, which is uh, stuck behind a firewall. You have to be a authorized technician and service center to have all the their special programs and tools to recalibrate that lens. I can't do it. But a lot of the lenses, man, they're they're damn easy to work on. A lot of them, they're all the same. So you learn one, you learn them all. And that's easy for us or easy for uh, our listeners. 
it's probably easy for listeners too as long as you have the right tools uh the tools um what it really all comes down to yeah the right tools uh to get into lens repair you probably need about eh, 150 to 200 dollars for the tools kind of seems steep but once you realize that will do pretty much every single lens i own it's not a big deal and what if i just bought my camera right that i just you know yeah i I don't recommend, I mean, how I learned lens repair uh, is from Russian, actually how I learned camera repair and lens repair is from Russian cameras because they suck. (laughs) They're they're great when they work, but they didn't even work out of the factory. Learn from the worst, repair the best. Yeah. What? One thing I think we should do is, is once we really get the newsletters up and running, uh, we'll send out a newsletter that's a complete. He wants the tokies. Uh, send out a complete newsletter of like a, your first lens tool kit. Yep. So uh, we will make up a lens tool kit list. Uh, yeah. We should probably look into maybe doing an Amazon affiliates link. Um, buy all these tools. These are our affiliated links. These are our, our tools that we recommend. Your most expensive purchase is going to be screwdrivers. Uh, to get to good screwdrivers, I think they're like forty-five bucks for a set for a four of them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I know the one you're talking about. I think I paid like fifteen, twenty. Yeah, it depends. So the spanner was more expensive. Yeah, good spanner, good silicone set set of lens uh, cups. Um, but that's that's really all we got. I mean, there's there's a lot. So what we talked about really. So we've got battery conversions coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the services we offer for camera repair, um, $45 bench fee, um, and we have a no no fix, no charge uh, uh, thing here in place. So if we get into something and we can't fix it, um, then we're not going to charge you for it. Uh, depending on what it is, we might still charge you the bench fee. Uh, we'll talk to you all in advance, though. So like, if we get into it and there's this way, it's way more messed up than what we initially thought or what you initially thought, then we will stop right there. We'll tell you what's going on. But um, shipping, though? Yeah, shipping, you have to pay for shipping. So you have to pay. You can buy return shipping at the same time. So all you do is you just buy a label that goes from the same address that you sent it to, which is our address, and then you buy an address or return label from there to back to your house. Um, and then you put the label in the box with it. Um, or so if you're local enough, you can drop, drop it, it off. We have two drop-off locations. We have one at um, Ideal Skate Shop and then another one at Midnight Ether. Um, both are downtown Norwich. So... We need one of those buttons to be the bam, 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 bam. I don't remember which one it is. Is it? Oh, no. darn. Oh, I don't have it in there. Um, again, also, so the other things that we are working on, um, the please subscribe to our newsletter. So You never told what the second location was. What, Midnight Ether? Oh, and yeah. Ideal Skate Shop. Yeah. Where is Midnight Ether? Uh, Midnight Ether is on Franklin Street, right next to our unofficial sponsor of Epicure Brewing. Good, good <laughs> Epicure brews. Um, Go buy their flannels. Do we want you? We encourage you to uh, sign up for our newsletter. So if you go to NorwichCamera.com, uh, sign up for our newsletter. Um, and the next this week, we're going to be sending out a newsletter uh, that has a 15% discount code for it. Um, that goes for basically anything on the site. Uh, I don't think we're going to put restrictions on it, even cameras. Nope. nope. So, yeah, even even cameras that we have for sale right now. Um, 
like this Mamiya C330. Yep. <laughs> the, we, we recently, I don't know what it's been, we've had a lot of site traffic recently. So um, Instagram's kind of helped out. Um, we are on all the social medias. All of them. Except Ex TikTok. No, we're on TikTok. We have yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Not even he knows it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna no one's going to know. No one's going to know. How are they going to know? Nobody's going to know. <laughs> They're yes. going to know. We do have a Norwich Camera Company TikTok. I think I believe it's just Norwich Camera Company. Um, find us there. Find us on Instagram at Norwich underscore camera underscore company. I guess um, that means we got to start TikToking more, huh? Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> I mean, well, listen, we're... Vine, so. We're... Six Alan's months. definitely a geriatric uh, emo kid. <laughs> I'm just going to throw him in there. <laughs> Not emo kid. Okay, uh, all right. Shots I'm a, fired. I'm a geriatric emo kid. I'm getting there. Pat's uh, just coming off of It's Not a Phase, Mom. Oh, it's a phase. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hi, Mom. He's, he's like seventh wave, Scott. Uh, no, fourth wave. Fourth oh. wave. I've done the math. <laughs> it's very short. <laughs> He knows how to skank. I do. I can. I do too. Up. Shows up, black shirt. Hey man. Cadillac. One step beyond. Uh, yeah. So that's really all I've got to talk about. We we encourage you to interact with us. Um, this is a community. Uh, we are not here to gatekeep about um, repairs, buying guides, um, recommendations. We are open. We have had so many conversations privately. People that don't just message the, the page, they message us individually about, hey, I'm looking for this camera. Um, we, we, will, we, we are well-versed, not just film. So we're well-versed in lighting, uh, digital cameras. We each shoot different digital systems. Um, Pat is on <laughs> all of them. All of them? Except yes. for Nikon. Uh... I mean, I sold that at Forda. <laughs> right. So it yeah. was on Nikon for a hot second. I mean, so I, I'm a Nikon fanboy when it comes to digital, mainly because I have like, I don't know, $20,000 worth of lenses for Nikon, and I can't switch anything else. Um, Alan's, uh, I'll adapt any lens to fit something, but not Nikon. Yeah, pretty much not Nikon. I did just, uh, I grew up shooting Canon film cameras, so I went right to Canon where you should be for digital and then um short canon has all of the great things but it's at a premium price so is nikon <laughs> so is nikon nikon's at a more premium price and uh <laughs> and i'm falling in love with my sony a lot of people do uh i don't like sony for the software but i i'm i follow i follow it, with, with fuji but uh, fuji digital if i can get rid of all my nikon gear tomorrow and buy a gfx 50s or 50s2 mm -hmm. i'll do it but hey man making that jump from friendly ui and like friendly menus software everything but not being able to afford the quality sensor to go along with it and then getting a badass sensor in my Sony A7 it uh, you gotta pay to play you do well Sony's like the microtransaction of, uh, <laughs> of cameras though too you have to I, get got, to, a, I got a great sensor but uh, the uh, the remote yeah you have to pay there are apps you have to pay to unlock like time uh, 
No, you uh, don't. So, some of them you do. No, I, I, I have full I have full control. 16 megapixels. This is this yep. will be 10 years old in less than a month. Amazing still still working. Files. So we we will recommend we will talk to you about really any camera. We love to talk about the stuff. We as you know also we can Fuji talk has all medium about this. format. Fuji yes. does four thousand dollars. Speaking of talking to any of us, um, just so the people know, if you do have questions and you can't get a hold of us on the NCC Instagram or wherever you happen to reach us, um, I believe all of our handles on social media are more or less our names. Yep. Uh, so mine's at Patrick Hennessy. His is at AWP dot photography. And Alan, you have about four of them. So you tell me <laughs> which one you want to say. I mean, we can start with my dog or my cat. <laughs> Where do you want to go? Where the people can talk to you about the photos. Oh, um, yeah, let's go AW photo or a, yeah, AW photo underscore film. So we all have it. Um, I am more or less on a Facebook hiatus, so I don't really have uh, Facebook on my phone. And the only messengers that I look at on Facebook are from these guys. So are I have everything Facebook else jail? filtered out. Hmm? Are you in Facebook jail? I am not in Facebook jail. Okay. I, I mean, I'm surprised <laughs> I've, I've never been in Facebook jail, honestly. But I'm a one-time offender. But, uh, no, I just, I, I don't, uh, Facebook is counterproductive to uh, my mentality and my mental state a lot of times. So. Yeah, that's why I was that's why I was considering that uh, you could have been in Facebook jail. Right no, now. I just <laughs> I, uh, the only thing I like to do Facebook for is for the post pictures of my cat. I did I did the same thing with Instagram. I think I went a full six days <laughs> without uh, actually yeah. my whole phone. I didn't really like turn it off. So, uh, but that that is an important topic. You know, Where'd I mean, you we, find we it? talk we we talk about all this camera repair. We oh, love no. we love photography. Uh, that is our. That is our mental escape from life. Photos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For real, though, we're going to log off. We've been at it just for an hour and four minutes now. Jeez. So We miss you guys. Come hang out with us more. Kisses. Miss us. But not Jeffrey. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ears are getting sweaty. Ugh.